So I'll just wait a second as folks are bringing themselves back in. But um, isn't our God mighty to save? Like, it doesn't matter who you are, where you are. It's just like, the Lord's like, uh, you're mine. I'm drawing you to myself. He's such a good God. How's, uh, how's it look, young person standing by the doorway? Are there still a lot of people out there? Come <laughs> on in. All right. Just a couple more minutes, we'll get going. So this, this session, we're going to... Um, like, parents are dealing with some stuff, huh? Some stuff going on. And so we're just going to share a little bit about this in this session with parents. Um, we'll see how the Lord directs it. Um, but uh, thank you for standing strong in truth. Or maybe you're new to the faith and you're trying to learn truth, um, what it is, and, and have that truth minister to you from your years of, of walking outside of that truth. Whether you're saved for a day or 30 years, it's all the same. Saved is saved. God shows no partiality. We are all the same. So I'm just gonna um, uh, just share a little bit about how parents can, can navigate their family in this LGBT culture that we live in. And then if, if God has it uh, through the time or um, he'll direct me on, on what to share, I also want to uh, just give a little guidance on, on parents uh, who have uh, LGBT children or children that are identifying as part of the LGBT community. And so um, because I literally have nothing to offer, I want to take a moment and ask the Lord to, to meet us again. So Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that we all just got to hear yet another story of how mighty you are to save. And Lord, so for, we're, for, with that, Lord God, for every person and family in this place, for everyone and anyone that they have in their life, their, their families, their friends, their coworkers, and their neighborhoods, neighbors, we pray that you would come to them in a way that you know they will receive the truth of who you are. And we pray for their salvation, that they too can come out of that darkness and live life in your marvelous light and a life more abundant they can, than they could ever imagine. So just continue to empty me of myself so that I can be filled with you and your words and navigate our time together um, as we try to uh, encourage parents to navigate their families through the culture that we live in now because you have called each one of us for such a time as this. So we thank you and we praise you and we lift this up in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, I mean, it's, it's obviously no surprise now that... We are living in an all-things-LGBTQAII-plus culture now, and we need to know how to live as, as image bearers of Jesus in this culture, because we know every TV show, uh, every 
everything that we see has a, a, a gay character in it. Um, you go into the bank and you see posters of, you know, a, a family with a mom and a dad and a couple kids on this wall. And then over here you see two dads and two children. I mean, it's everywhere. We cannot get away from it. Your children are not um, protected, in a sense, in your home anymore. Because once they leave that house, you can, you can be very mindful of what happens in your home. But when you take your child to Costco with you or to the grocery store, they're going to encounter something or someone that will indicate something concerning LGBT people or issues. Um, so for, for years, the only gay and trans community, um, only, only a very small amount of people knew that June was Pride Month, right? Like most people didn't know that, but now typically everyone knows that June is Gay Pride Month because all the banks declare it, Target has rainbow shirts on, I mean it is everywhere. So again, either you're gonna lock your children up for the month of June, or you're gonna have to start having conversations with them about all things lesbian, gay, pansexual, bisexual, transgender, all of that. And so what do we do with that? <laughs> what do we do with these conversations that we don't want to have? Because we really don't, reality, we, we don't wanna have these conversations, right? They're too hard, they're too awkward. We don't know enough, what do we say? Is, is what the Bible says true? Some parents are questioning that now. Parents who have gay identifying kids, that they love are like, well, does homosexual really mean homosexual? Or was that a word added to the Bible in 1946? So we have to be prepared for this. We can't just throw our hands in the air and say, well, you know what? I'm exhausted about hearing about it. I don't want to talk about it. I'm just going to leave it alone. You, you, I mean, you could, but if you do, you're not equipping yourself to be the representation of Christ, having conversations about what we are going through in a time such as this, and your kids will be left to handle it on their own. So no sticking our heads in the sand anymore, and, it, and even for our kids raised in a Christian home. We have to trust that even though they are being raised up in a culture that's everything LGBT, we still have to trust what the Lord says in Romans 8.28, all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called, the called, according to his purpose. And what purpose could God possibly have with all the, the gay craziness that's going on? Well, first and foremost, we have to remember that everyone who identifies as gay or any part of the LGBTQ plus acronym is created in God's image. They are broken, hurting people, rebelling, rebelling against a God that loves them so much that he went to the cross for them just like he did for us. It's the same God, it's the same cross, it's the same sin. In the Gospel of John, we hear John the Baptist when Jesus is coming on, on the scene saying, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin, not plural, the sin of the world. 
We are all in that same sin. We all have the same sin, the sin of unbelief that leads to all the other sins. But we, we are the one that John was talking about who Jesus took that for us. So we have to show them the same grace that was given to us because our sin is just as dirty as theirs. We've heard the saying, if you walked a mile in my shoes, right? If you walked a mile in this person's shoes or this person's shoes, whether they've been, you know, raised on the streets of the, uh, a dark city and, and hurt and abused or whether they were raised in a, in a godly Christian home or being deceived in a different way, it's still, it's still grace that needs to, to come to the person. So when you hear about or, or know a kid that was raised up in the church that's identifying as, as gay, we'll say, and, and, and you have compassion on them because you're like, well, I know their family. They're a really good family. We're just gonna, we're gonna pray for Johnny. We'll do it for Johnny. It's the same way we need to pray for the six foot five transsexual man that's dressed in an orange wig with makeup all over his face and wearing a, a very odd looking dress in size 14 pumps with lipstick all over his face that's reading very sick and disgusting, ungodly books to our children in the library. We need to pray for them the same way because both are in a place of sin and both need salvation. And we, we need to have those hearts because when God saw our sin, he saw it the same way as he sees that sin because whatever has brought that six foot five transgender man into his identity, thus into that library, if you would have walked a mile in his shoes, you might've just been in the same place, right? Amen. So there are some things that I want to talk about. Some Hopefully God will hold back the time and we can just get everything in because you can do that, Jesus. Um, so I just, I just want to... Uh, to, for us to, to understand this, this isn't a message that's, hopefully that's why I shared my testimony first so that you know that I'm not trying to bash anybody. I come from a place of experiential understanding and also experiencing the truth and the forgiveness of God. So, so as, as, as I share this, please know that that is my heart because it's the heart of, of God as well. So we know that Satan is attacking us at our most vulnerable place. Our most vulnerable place is our children. Always, always our children. And so Satan knows that that's where he can get us to take our eyes off of God. And that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to take our eyes off God and put them on self. Because if we put them on self, maybe then we'll just turn our eyes to him. And he wants the glory that only God deserves. Oh, I can't wait till Jesus comes back and all oh, that's done. Goodness gracious. So hopefully today we can talk about how to protect our children um, from sexual deception in school or any public or private place or extracurricular activities that they have outside of your home. How do we tell our children 
um, what to do, uh, what to expect at school or on the soccer team, um, all at the same time as protecting their innocence. What do we do? How do we have this discussion with them at different ages? Um, what to look for in kids that might experience same-sex attraction or gender confusion. And I don't know that we'll have time for this, but uh, we can talk out at my table at the end of the day about parental rights and stuff. And I actually don't even know what they are in South Carolina, so I won't try to talk about something that I don't know. But um, so when we send our kids off to school, we used to be releasing to them, them to people that we trusted right? Teachers were people that we really, really trusted. And actually now we're in a culture where pastors were people that we really, really trusted, but we're reading story after story after story where teachers are doing some really crazy ungodly things at school. And unfortunately, even some of our pastors are falling left and right too. Thank God for the godly pastors that are still standing behind pulpits and speaking truth and protecting themselves and having their elders and their, their, their men in the church walking alongside them to protect them from veering off to the left and the right with their eyes because where their eyes go, sometimes their person follows. So we thank God for the churches that are still standing strong in the truth. But uh, we, we see uh, teachers kind of having to, either having to or wanting to teach this curriculum at school that is so un godly. And many of them have to do this because the teacher's union is forcing them. There is so much money in the teacher's union, and the teacher's union is just intertwined with Planned Parenthood and all these other, there is so much happening behind the scenes that we don't even understand, and I don't want to get caught up in that, but I just want us to understand that not all teachers want to be teaching the curriculum that is placed in front of them. While there are a lot of teachers now that identify on the LGBT plus spectrum that are actually pouring that into our kids. And that's why we were so careful years ago when, when gay teachers were like, well, we wanna let our students know that we're gay. And it was like, yep, nope. You know what? It used to be you couldn't, if you were found out that you were gay, you couldn't get hired as a teacher. And then it was like, as, as the rights, the gay right movement kept moving and progressing forward, it was like, okay, you can be gay, you just can't tell anyone. Now, there's so many teachers that identify in so many different ways, and they're pouring that out into our kids. And the teachers that don't want that are watching that and they literally have no idea what to do. You guys, this is such a spiritual battle. It's such a spiritual battle. I plead with you, please be fasting and praying. If you can do the, if you can fast something once a week to pray for our children, God moves mightily when we pray, Paul says in Philippians 1.19, for I know this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. Prayer is huge. Read through the Psalms. Thank you, God, for hearing me. God, I know you hear my prayers. And David was in difficult situations and the other Psalm authors were in difficult situations when they were praying this, but they always cried out to God and we saw him move mightily. And you might be thinking, well, well thank goodness I homeschool. 
Um, and there obviously is more control in what your child is learning through homeschooling. If you can homeschool, man, oh man, I highly, I highly suggest you do that. Um, and I know, I, doesn't it feel like so many things are coming at us? Like, like if three years ago, you're like, you know what, I think maybe my family can now afford, you know, for, for maybe mom to stay at home and, and homeschool. Then the pandemic, and it's like, okay, well, they are, they are home all the time. Maybe I do want them to go back to school. <laughs> um, but now with the war in Ukraine and gas prices and food prices skyrocketing, it seems insurmountable to do any of this. But remember what I shared when I was halfway to California? God was already working out a place for nobody pays $1,200 rent in California. Nobody. God always makes a way. Just trust him. Take those steps of faith once you hear him. But homeschooling is, I, I don't know the numbers, but the amount of people that homeschool now, whatever it was, like pre-pandemic, it's astronomical now, not just because of the pandemic, but because of the curriculum that's happening in our schools. Listen, does anybody know what Stonewall is? The bar Stonewall in New York City? Okay. So Stonewall back in the late 1960s was a gay bar in New York City and, uh, for gay men. And so um, it was illegal to gather together as gay men back then. And so often the New York City NYPD would raid this gay bar called Stonewall and they would pull out the men dressed in drag and all that and beat them and take them to jail. And eventually, they just couldn't take it anymore because that's wrong. It's not the way to handle it. Not, we don't handle ungodly situations with beating people. And so eventually, they just couldn't take it anymore. They got tired of being beat up. They got tired of being murdered. And so they rose up and said, you know what? We're going to march through the streets of New York City. That was the first gay pride. It wasn't called that, but that was the first gay pride parade. And then other cities got a hold of it, and it all started at Stonewall. You can Google it and, and look it up. So it went from, please don't send us to jail, please don't beat us up, please don't murder us, to um, we want to be able to gather together and, and, and not be arrested. And then it moved to... Um, we want to be able to get jobs because most people, uh, you know, a, a gay man that looked a little more flamboyant or a gay woman that looked a little more masculine that people thought, oh, they're gay, they really couldn't get jobs. Nobody would hire them. And so it moved to, will you please just let us have jobs? And so they started getting hiring. Then it moved to, well, can I actually come out at work? And then it moved to, well, not only do I want to come out at work, but I want to have the same, I want my partner to be able to get my health insurance. So can we have civil unions? And then it moved to, well, we want to get married. We want to be able to have the same rights as everybody else. And then it, eventually it just it was like, you know what, we're so tired of fighting. We just want, we're fighting and we're fighting and we're fighting the way that we need to be recognized so we don't have to keep fighting like this is our children. If we can get the children 
to see this as the normal people that we believe ourselves to be, then eventually there won't be this fight. So it moved into an agenda. And then the agenda, I'm telling you right now, the agenda is now an indoctrination. We are long past agenda. Our children are being indoctrinated and it's very, it's become very cult-like to where if you are a 17-year-old, and this is happening a lot, a 17-year-old little girl that decides to transition and she starts on testosterone and then she gets a double mastectomy for free and then decides when she's 22 years old, this was crazy. I got caught up in this social media. This, I, I started following this person on TikTok or, or Snapchat or IG or whatever it might be. And I got sucked into this trans world. That's not who I am. What do I do now? And if they want to go back in for a surgery to get, um, I'm not saying this the right way, uh, breasts, replacements, I don't know what that's called, I'm, I'm drawing a blank, that they have to pay for. So I can't remember where I was going with that, but, oh, so, so the indoctrination. So those people that are stepping out of it, they're literally getting death threats online from the LGBTQ plus community. That is a cult. And so, but even in that, if our children were stuck in the, you know, was it Jim Jones Kool-Aid days, we would want them to come out and we would draw them out in, in love. Like, come, we love you, honey. We wouldn't tell them that they're sick and gross and disgusting. So it's a cult. So we have to handle it in that way. So we, we have to understand that our children are going to see all this and we, we want to know how to protect our child through this, especially if they're going to school. So if you're sending um, your children to public school, which most people do, or even a Christian school, <laughs> because public schools, kids display their sin, and Christian schools, they just hide it. So um, what we have to do in our home concerning identity, sexual and gender identity, which sex and gender are the same thing, but that's a whole nother conversation that I could fight for hours with, with a teenager. Um, not fight, discuss intensely. <laughs> like when husband and wife intensely talk at home. We have to prepare our kids. We have to talk to our children about sex and gender at an age younger than we ever, ever wanted. Because if we don't talk to them first, someone else is going to and whatever they hear first, they'll believe, right? Whatever they hear first, they'll believe. And then society will build up that lie, what they believe. Like when we were little, for people my age and older, when we were little, it was like, you know, oh, if, I'm saying this because this is literally what I heard and I got caught doing it. If you pick up more gum off the sidewalk and eat it, you'll end up pregnant. Because I got caught picking sidewalk off the gum off the sidewalk and eating it. Um, and I'm like, ooh, that's gross. I don't want to get pregnant. So I didn't do it anymore. But I believed it because that was the first thing I heard about how you get pregnant. But our kids now are hearing sex and gender from their f 
phone or whatever device they're on or from school, and the first thing they hear, they're like, really? And then they believe it, and then all this false information gets piled on top and piled on top. So by the time they're 10 years old, they believe that sex and gender are two different things. They believe that, that you know, your, your gender is what you think you are and your sex is who you want to be with and they're two separate things. So we have to talk to our kids about sex and gender before kindergarten. Who would have ever thought we would have to do that? But we were, we were given life for such a time as this. This is when God told us to, to be alive. And so the way we do that, I believe, is by reading Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3 to our children every week. Every week. When they're little, pre-going pre into school, use their children's Bible. Genesis chapter 1 two, and three. Go through the creation account in Genesis 1, verse 27, and man, God created a male and female. Explain what that is, especially if you have a son and a daughter in, in, in your home. You can explain it with mom and, and dad. However you, the, God, the Lord is leading you to explain that to your child, explain to the, the difference between male and female, boys and girls. And then we come to chapter 2, and, and it you know, explains to them in, in an even deeper way of what Genesis chapter 1 says. And then when you get to chapter 3, you talk to them about how Eve and Adam you know, had such an amazing relationship with God, but that someone came in and just planted a seed of a lie into their, their brain, and they were like, oh, wait, wait, we can... We can be like God? Well, that sounds pretty cool. Let me try. And then explain to them, you know, there's, there's a little part of them that kind of died for a little while that day. They were still able to walk and do things, but their, their part of their heart died that day. And then you can explain to them that just as God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and has that triune nature, that we too, in a way that they'll understand, that we too are kind of like that in the sense that that we have our physical body, we have our emotional body, which is our soul, and then our spiritual body and say, you know what? You know, you, know, you feel things, right? Like if, if, you know, remember mommy says, don't touch the stove because it'll be hot and it'll burn you? You'll feel, feel that in your flesh. That's what flesh is. And then the soul, that's where your emotions are. So when you feel sad because, you know, you didn't get something that you wanted or you feel sad because you're watching a Disney movie and it always starts off with mama deer or mama bear dying or something like that. It's so sad. You know, that made you feel sad. That's your soul. And then there's your spiritual self that helps you to understand who God is. And in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve took that fruit and ate it, that part of them that knew God so, so intimately would be too big of a word, but whatever you can use for intimately, that knew God so well, that kind of dwindled away and died. And so they hid from God, and that's when they started doing things on their own because they didn't really fully know how to talk to God the way they did before. That's a bummer, huh? And then, then you can say, there's a lot of people out there that, that live that way. 
They have the, their, their, their physical person and they, they have their soul, their, their self-consciousness, which they won't understand that, but however you explain that to them. So that they have emotions and they feel, but that part that really understood God, that part is dead and we need to pray that that part of themselves would come back alive again. And guess what, Johnny? That comes alive through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So let's tell them about Jesus, okay? Over and over and over again. What a gentle, sweet way to explain sex and gender to children before they get to school. Male and female, and people do things wrong, and when they don't believe in Jesus, that part of them that really understands right from wrong in the spiritual sense is gone, so we have to pray that that part of their life would come back through Jesus. And I tell you, it's pretty simple. Kids will understand that. They really, really will. So Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and we have to do that in this culture. Then as they get older, maybe start using, you know, like maybe 10 years old, something like that. You know your child, their, their maturity level. Put down the, the child Bible and pick up maybe a New Living Translation or, or something that would uh, be um, the Amplified Bible maybe. I mean, I wouldn't pull out King James necessarily. I personally think New King James, it's understandable. Maybe it's just because what I learned the first time I, I, I came into a church. But, but you know your child and what they're able to understand. But there'll be a point to, to where you need to transition into uh, a more in-depth Bible than the, just their little child Bible. But keep reading Genesis 1, 2, and 3 with them. Um, So every, not every, almost every app that kids seem to be drawn to are an app that's going to take them away from God's intention in creation. And they're not going to understand why that's not true if we don't give them the truth First, So, again, explain to them over and over that God created us male and female, and that, re and that they might meet kids in school that maybe in first grade their friend was a boy, and then as they hit second grade, that same boy now says he's a girl. What do we do with that? And so you just have to explain to them, well, maybe, we'll use Johnny, maybe Johnny was, was you, know, uh, you know, he we saw him as a boy in second grade and through uh, something's going on within Johnny's feelings and now he, he wants to be um, Jacqueline. So, so we have to let our children know at a very young age that their feelings do not dictate reality. Because again, everything else is telling them that their feelings... You know, your truth is your truth, which means there is no absolute truth, which is, is, it's really easily debunked, but we don't necessarily know how to do that. So, um, so then that's the opportune time for us to say, even though we saw Johnny as Johnny in second grade, and now he's saying that he's Jacqueline in third grade, and he doesn't understand that uh, because he feels this way, it doesn't make it real, so that does not give us the right to make fun of Johnny this 
leads us to a place to where we pray for Johnny. And then we have to ask our kids if we see anything like, if you see anything like this in school, we want you to know that you can come talk to, you know, mom and dad, and that we'll be a safe place for you to talk about all of this, even if you don't understand what you're talking about. They have to know that their home is a safe place to talk about everything, because everything outside of that home is so incredibly confusing and enticing. So when you mix enticing with confusing, that is just a recipe for disaster for our kids. But God. So, and we want to keep it simple, right? K, uh, I, I like to do the uh, KISS acronym. Keep it simple, saint. I didn't used to say saint before, but <laughs> keep it simple, saint. And so, uh, again, we, we want to teach them not to criticize or judge anyone that's different, but instead reveal, come home and talk to mom and dad about it, and then as a family, pray together. Because my hope is that this generation, the younger generation, will be the ones to bridge the gap between the church and the LGBT community. Because my generations and the generation before me seem to do all truth <laughs> and not much grace. Actually, maybe even no grace. I'm sure there were some churches that were doing that. Um, so um, there's, I have so much paperwork. I have paperwork for, I want you guys to grab out there. But so now we have a generation because my generation was all truth, 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 and no grace. And then like the millennials, our kids, the millennials are like, um, you know, I heard, mom and dad and grandma and grandpa talking about homosexuals and said that they're, you know, stay away from them. They're, they're very strange people, like the people that we would, were talking about in the 60s and stuff. Oh, they're pedophiles. Stay away from them. And then our kids, the millennials, more and more people started coming out in school for them, like high school and college. And they're like, wait a minute. These aren't strange people. These are actually really nice people. They're actually more nice to me than all the other straight identifying people. And so it's like, well, wait, what do I believe now? What do I believe? So then the millennials became all grace, 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 and what is truth? Kind of like Pontius Pilate, right? What is truth? And so now there's this imbalance of, of grace and truth. So my hopes is that Gen Z is going to grow in their maturity in Christ and understand that in the church now we are talking about things that are relevant and significant so that Gen Z will be mature enough to offer both grace and truth to the people that need it. So Warren Wearsby says this, truth without love is brutality and love without truth is hypocrisy. So it's vital to teach our children how to walk in both grace and truth. And we see in John uh, chapter 1, verse uh, 14, where it's talking about Jesus being the word, it says that Jesus was filled with both grace and truth. Only in God can we be filled with two things at the same time. My, my little cup here can't be filled with kombucha and filled with water. But in God, in Christ Jesus, we can be filled with grace 
and pour out grace like those living waters that Jesus said we would be filled of and would pour out of us. But we can also be filled with truth so that it won't be imbalanced. And I believe, as it says in in verse 14 of, of John 1, that it says Jesus was filled with both grace and truth. I believe that if we don't come with grace first, people won't be willing to hear the truth. And it might need to be grace, 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 grace a few times before you know and the spirit of the living God tells you they're ready to hear the truth now. We don't have to rush things. And again, I'm praying that the younger generation is the ones that will bridge that gap because I believe it's possible. And as your kids come home um, and you want to ask them uh, about school, um, you know, it's, it shouldn't be. It's not as helpful if we just say, how was school today? Because what are you going to get? Okay, good. Ask questions that, that need uh, an explanation. Um, hey, uh, so tell me the pros and cons of school today. What, what was your favorite part of school today? Oh, that's pretty cool. What was the toughest part of school today? Did you get hungry? Were you thirsty? You know, did you get like tired halfway through? Like how can, what can I do to make your day at school better? And just start to um, uh, invite that conversation with your kids. And then as, as you do that, you can just say, you know what? Hey, you know, as, as they get a little bit older, which now older is like nine, 10, um, and you've had this Genesis chapter one, two, and three conversation with them for years, just say, hey, is there, is there any kids in school that you seem, that you know that might seem to be confused about their, their uh, you know, that whether they're a boy or a girl or not, or who they might like? And give your children the opportunity to open up and talk about them. And what you want to do is make sure you hear their heart and what they think about it. And when they tell you, don't be shocked. Like, what do you mean? You're only in second grade and there's a kid that says, says they're transgender? That couldn't be. What are your teachers teaching them? What is going on? I'm going down to that school. Your kid will never talk to you about it again. Do you go down to that school? Absolutely, but they don't need to know that you are. They don't need to know that you are. So what you do is bring your child, even if they, if they say, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, there's, there's someone that says they, they, they think they're a girl and they're really a boy, then you ask your child, how does that make you feel, honey? How does that make you feel? Because it might make them feel scared. And when children are scared, they generally don't talk about it. So we need to be a safe place for them to uh, speak to us about the things that are frightening to them. Or they might be drawn in by that. Well, you know what? I, I, I kind of feel like, like they do. And then it's just like, well, you know what? Thank you for letting us know. I didn't know you were experiencing that. Thank you for letting us know. Let's, let's pray, honey. Let's pray. And so you're praying, or if they don't say that, invite them to say, oh, that's how your, your classmate feels? Oh, man, it must, must be really hard for them to experience that. Come on, let's pray for them. And then when you pray, you pray the truth. So now you're teaching your child what grace and truth looks like 
played out. More than just reading it in the word, they see it displayed in who you are. And this saying, I, I love saying this when people are like, well, what do you do with this, that, or the other? I just simply say, let who you are point to who he is. Let who you are point to who he is. Um, and so uh, you might think that your child, as they get a little bit older, would never make fun of gay or trans-identifying kids, but I go to youth groups all over the country, and they are full of kids in the youth group saying derogatory things like, oh, that's so gay, or what are you, a fag? Because a brother puts his arm around another brother. It's like, what are you, get off me. Mm -mm. That has to stop. That has to stop. And we need to teach it to our kids here in church. And the only way we can teach it is by talking about it. And again, I'm so thankful for all the churches that invite me in. These words are not from Jesus. Gender is the largest growing deception in schools today. So it's a big, big topic to talk about. And we know that many states are just adding curriculum that is, is not only ungodly, but it is literally, literally pornographic. There are pornographic images, pornographic words, and your children are being inundated with this. So it's becoming normal to them. And they're already having to fight the... Uh, the, the the opportunity to see porn themselves, the average age of a person that sees a pornographic image is eight years old. Eight years old. I want you to write this down. If you, write it on your hand. If you don't have any paper, keep it in your head. Write it on your phone. Whatever you do, please, I'm begging you to go home and watch Childhood 2.0. Childhood 2.0 on YouTube. Watch the full movie. There's one that you can just watch a trailer. Watch the full movie and they will give you, they interview people that have, I have resources out there for all these ministries that I want you guys to have available to you every day to look at because they, these are groups that will walk alongside parents specifically. Um, like Protecting Young Eyes, um, Help for Families. I have it all written down for you, so you can just grab one out on my table out there. But this uh, documentary talks to people, the people that are, are in these ministries that are doing all the research and finding out all these statistics for us. But they also interview like four or five young ladies and four or five young men, and they tell you what it's really like what they're really experiencing. And they're like, yeah, I was raised in a Christian home. I never saw any of that stuff. And then I got, I'm homeschooled. And then I got on the bus to go away to youth camp. And all of a sudden the kid sitting next to me or behind me or in front of me pulled out his iPad that he wasn't supposed to have with him and went, look. And there it was, a pornographic image. And it draws, when we see that, it's like, oh, especially for boys. And now they're like, whoa, that's, ooh, that's weird. That's, hmm, I don't want to see that. Oh. And then they find a way to look it up themselves. Eight years old is the average age. 
So we have to have these conversations with our kids. Encourage your child to keep an open dialogue with you about any questions that they might have and remind them that you will not be upset at them for asking. They need to know you're a safe place without you being visibly angry with what they're experiencing and what they're seeing at school. If they see you get upset, they will be afraid to share anything with you after that. Listen to this. Your tone and attitude will make an impact on how they see broken and hurting people. Your attitude. We want our children to learn how to see broken and hurting people the way, same way Jesus does. So take all the opportunities you can to affirm them in their own gender. Because with all their hearing and seeing, they may be questioning their own identity. And affirming in their gender isn't this. Come on, Johnny. Let's go toss the ball out back. And he's like, well, I'm making meatballs. Can we throw that around? Listen, if Johnny wants to be in the kitchen cooking, you come in the kitchen and say, honey, I am horrible at cooking, but I want to spend time with you. Will you teach me how to cook? Listen, honey, some of the best chefs are men. Look at Chef Boyardee. He's still, <laughs> we're probably all going to be living on Chef Boyardee by 2023 when we have 85,000 cans of it stocked in our garage. Oh, Lord, help us. But affirming them in their gender isn't changing their personality that God has blessed them with. It's meeting them in what they enjoy within their gender. So if Johnny wants to be in the kitchen or sit at the piano or go to a ballet or an opera, whatever it might be, you lay down your life, Dad, and you go with him. Mom, you don't yell at your daughter or have a conversation with your daughter and tell her to stop wearing flannel shirts and baggy pants and Doc Martin shoes. That's not how a girl dresses. There might be a reason she's hiding behind baggy clothes. It might be because she doesn't like the way her body is quickly developing and how the boys are not only looking at her, but talking about it in school or at youth group. Or maybe someone has touched her in a way that wasn't right and she's hiding behind those baggy clothes because they're her armor. So you don't want to tell her to stop doing that. Or it might be just because she likes them. Plus, baggy clothes are coming back in. I'm a little kind of little excited about that because as I'm, I'm growing in my spirituality, but there's other parts of me that's growing too. So hiding behind baggy is kind of comforting. But, um, you know, if she doesn't like what maybe your other daughters like, which would be as little playing with dolls or typical things that, that we would see girls being naturally drawn to. If that's not her, whatever she's doing, affirm her in that, but in her womanhood. If, if she's an athlete, just affirm her in her athleticism and her womanhood as well. And it might make her feel uncomfortable. Honey, you're so beautiful. You know what? You are so elegant. I've never seen anyone play shortstop with such a great arm and beautiful woman godly elegance at the same time. You got it, girl. You got it. 
affirm them where they are. And then if you see something going on, just say, hey, honey, I'm not digging or anything, but you know, I'm, I'm, we're open with each other. And I know you're around a lot of people, you know, especially if your daughter's playing on softball, she's going to be around other girls that identify as gay. If your son's um, in the uh, plays at school, whatever that, what's it called? Drama, thank you, theater. If your son's in theater, he's definitely going to be around gay people. So you can just say, look, I know you're around a, pe a lot of people that identify as part of the LGBT community. Um, how is that affecting you? Like, where are your thoughts toward that? So that you can keep an open dialogue instead of saying, well, you know, you were raised in the church and you know that's wrong, right? You know, you know it's wrong. Um, hey, honey, how is this affecting you? And if they say, well, you know, I don't understand why the Bible says it's wrong. Will you, will you talk to me about it? Will you show me where the Bible says these things? Be like, oh, you know what, honey? Thank you so much for being mature enough and trusting us enough to talk about this. And talk about it. The more they open up to you, the more that you can go into your bedroom at night and cry about and pray about in private. Because again, if they see you're upset, they're not going to want to open, open up to you, not for protection of themselves, but because they love you and they don't want you to be hurt because they love you. Keep that open dialogue because there's so many, especially if they're in public schools, there's so many groups on campus now for these kids. If you want to come look at my notes later, you can take a picture of it or whatever. Um, but they're being inundated with it everywhere. Keep that open dialogue with your children. Your home needs to be that place of truth where seeds of truth are not only planted but watered for your children and for their friends. And if their friends have green, orange, and yellow streaked hair, you know what we did in the 80s too. Let's not forget that. And a boy with black fingernails, maybe some mascara, and that's who your friend wants to bring home, I mean who your child wants to bring home, first ask them, tell me more about your friendship with this person. And if it's a friendship that you believe is becoming ungodly and maybe even um, intimate and sexual, then you want to, uh, however you would do it within your family, bring in that discipline of boundaries and, and not, um, not allow them as much as you can in that relationship if they're in an intimate relationship with each other. But if they're just friends, you be the home that all those kids want to come to. And you find out what their favorite dessert is. You find out what their favorite meal is. And when they get there, you let them know how excited you are to be there and don't change who you are because you're letting who you are point to who he is and you pray over the meal and you have, your, you have all your signs like on these walls right here. You have them all over your house. How do you know that, that they might not see where God guides, God provides in your home and be like, wait, who is this God? You know how many kids have never even heard about Jesus? You bring them in and show them who Jesus is. And then when they leave, you talk to your son, about, your son or daughter about it like, hey, I think that went pretty good. I so enjoyed having your friends here. Were you comfortable with that? 
and, and see how it goes, but then also tell them, honey, you understand that we're pouring out our love in hopes that God will minister to them and they would no longer have their own self-proclaimed identity, which will lead them down a path of destruction, but that they would come to an identity in Jesus Christ that that veil would be lifted and they could walk in the ways of the Lord like our family is. You understand that, right, honey? And we'll keep inviting them over in hopes that they will come to that place too. But you have to let me know, sweetie, if this is affecting you in a way that's drawing you toward them and that identity and culture, and it's drawing you away from Jesus. Because if it is, it's understandable. But maybe, maybe we'll take a little pause in the barbecues that we have and just give us some time to pour in, into you. Because as much as your kids are stiff-arming you, they want you to pour into them. They want that discipline. I was never disciplined as a child. I would come home throwing up my guts from all the alcohol at 14 years old. And my mom would clean it all up, put me to bed, and wake up the next day, and we would never talk about it. It made me feel like I wasn't loved. Did I want to get disciplined and grounded so I couldn't go out and do the same thing again that night? No. I wanted to go out. But I also wanted to be discipline because discipline felt like I was seen and acknowledged and loved and our children want that so I have a question in our homes are our children because this is let who you are point to who he is what what time is lunch four (laughs) (laughs) Um, so in our homes our children need to see us putting off anger wrath malice blasphemy and filthy language out of our mouths as it says in Colossians 3 8 and then we put on our spiritual wardrobe we put on tender mercies kindness humility because you can be a strong parent, parent as you are humble, because meekness and humility are power and authority under control with goodness and kindness. Long-suffering and love, as it says in Colossians 3, 12 through 14. And not only with them, but with our neighbors as well. So we need to put off the anger and the wrath and the malice and put on the tenderness and kindness and goodness so our children see that. We have to teach our children what obedience is because um, there's not a lot of obedience anymore. Um, So obedience and self-control are vital for your child's development and more importantly for their relationship with the Lord and others. Obedience. Obedience is the response to an outside authority. Self-control is internal. So self-control, you know what? I have a big problem with self-control in now, sugar. Listen, when you can't keep, stop drinking, my brother, my friend that I just met, prayer changes things, you know, you, you shared with me, right? Did you drink, if I might ask? Anybody here used to drink a lot and they don't anymore? Did you crave sugar afterwards? Oh my goodness, I, I drank for 24 years straight. When I, when I got saved and quit drinking, I went to Costco and bought that box that's this big of Swedish fish. It was gone in like a month. And I still, I've gone time seasons without sugar, but I still crave sugar. We all experience the same thing. Mine is sugar. 
but I've had to lay that and be obedient to God and realize that's not good for my body and he's called me to go out and do things that I need to keep my body is that holy temple where the Holy Spirit dwells. It's not just for sexual things. It's because he's called me to go out and I need to be strong. So I need to be obedient and say no to sugar as much as I possibly can. So we need to teach our children obedience. And you know what? You know who, who's addi- who in your home is addicted to their phone? Your kids, no, yes, you, me. Do I grab my phone before I get out of bed and look at it? Yeah, but you know what I say? Well, let me just check the weather. Oh, it's raining today. Oh, did anyone hit like on that post I posted last night? Let's see what happened in the middle of the night. Oh, 150 people viewed this video. Oh, all right, I feel pretty good about myself. Let me get up. We have to be obedient to lay certain things down. So my advice to you concerning cell phones and the massive social contagion that it's bringing to our children is every night in your home for one hour, one hour, everybody in the home put your phone in a lockbox and lock it. And don't take it out for one hour. One hour. You know what's going to happen in the first five minutes? You're going to be jonesing. Just like you were for sugar, drugs, alcohol, whatever it might be. Because nobody knows what to do with boredom now. Do you know what to do with boredom? I have a difficult time with it. And our kids were born with it. Here's here's your pacifier, honey. We're going to go out for a walk. Oh, hang on. Let me put the iPad in that little thing that clicks into the stroller. They're born with it. Imagine how hard it is for them to lay it down. But if we're that example, then we can help. And you know what? The first week, you're all going to be struggling. So talk to your children about how much you're struggling with your not talking to your phone. Or, Well, actually, I use Siri, so I do talk to my phone. <laughs> how much you're struggling with not being able to pick up your phone. And you know what? It's going to let your children know that you struggle with the same things they do. You're still going to have the authority as a parent over them because you're the one locking this up, but you're also going to be meek and humble and be like, look, I'm struggling too. You know what? Let's, let's pray, and then we'll figure out what to do with the next 45 minutes. And you, and you play cards or games or whatever it might be, and it's going to be really, really hard for the first week. But you know what's going to happen the second week? Or maybe it might take a month, whatever it is. It might be, hey, is it time to lock our phones up yet? Is it time yet, mom? Because they're gonna, they're, you know what they're going to realize? I have mom and dad's attention for a whole hour. <gasps> I'm seeing mom eye to eye instead of, yeah, honey. All right, yes, dinner's in five minutes. Hang on. <gasps> she liked my post. Us. Us first. And again, the childhood 2.0 that you're going to watch will help you to understand these things as well. So I, 45 is lunch? Oh, gosh. All right. So just real, real quick, I just want to talk briefly about what parents can do with gay, or not what parents can do. There are parents here, probably, that have uh, LGBT identifying children. So there's just a couple of things, like five little bullet points that I want to give you. And the first thing, probably the most important thing, is 
take a deep breath. Just take a deep breath. God is still good and God is still sovereign. And he knows exactly what's going on with your child and he's actively pursuing them to bring that back into a right relationship with him. I promise you, he is. But this is when you, mom and dad, hear his voice in your life and in your walk in a way that you never could have predicted. And it's going to change your life. So what does that look like in real life? Where do we start? What do we do with all of this? Well, if your child actually does come out to you, they are probably going to feel a sense of freedom, even though those are the hardest words they've probably ever uttered to you. And they went over it and over it and over it and over it in their head. But yet you feel crushed like you have no words. Please know it's taken a lot of courage on their part to share this information with you. Again, they played that over and over in their head. So when they come out, they feel freedom because they don't have to keep this buried anymore. It's understandable. Now they think it's going to be freedom, but what they're doing is just, they're feeling a freedom from the sense of release from the lie. But you know they're stepping further into deception and into a lie. So just if you can, just at first be like, wow, wasn't really expecting that, but thank you for sharing that with us. I'm sure you thought long and hard about how telling us, and it took some time for you to tell us. Now that we know, please give us some time and ask the Lord how we're, how we're to receive that from you. So give us a minute. Could you give us a minute? Your mom and dad and I, well, <laughs> mom, dad and I, mm, don't think so. Your <laughs> mom and dad, need to talk about this together because we want to be able to minister to you right where we are. And frankly, we don't know how to do that right now. So we need to ask God. It's really, um, I don't want to say that simple because it's not a simple issue, but the way we do it can be just that simple. And so um, just so that they know that you're not just throwing scripture at them right away, like, what do you mean? Uh, you were raised in the church. We, we told you right from the beginning. You know the truth. You know what the Bible says about that. Well, yeah, they do because they've studied it up and down, left and right, Hebrew, Greek, everything. They've gone on every website they possibly can to find out what the Bible says about homosexuality. And all the websites that they're going to find, the first 85 pages are going to tell you it's okay to be gay. They're going to tell you that homosexuality wasn't a word that was brought in the RSV in 1946 and they admit that they got it wrong and all this other stuff because they've gone to all these gay-affirming websites that tell them that that's the truth. So we need to gently realize that that's what they've heard so we don't have to say, well, you know what the Bible says because they don't believe what they heard in church concerning what the Bible says. So you just need to say, give us some time we're going to ask God how to love you and minister to you and walk alongside you in this in a way that we didn't expect, so we need some time to pray. Thanks for telling us. We also have to realize that, well, let me say this before anything else. Parents, I know you're feeling shame. And that 
is not what God wants you to feel. Ask him to release you of the shame that you feel concerning that. Because whether you were an abusive parent, a divorced eight, eight times parent, alcoholic parent, whatever it is, that did affect your children. God hates divorce, right? It affects people. God hates abuse. All of that affects people. But you are free in Christ Jesus, which means you're free of the guilt and the shame that all of that brings. So ask the Lord to release you of that shame, whether you raised your child in the ways of the Lord or you came to the Lord later in, in your life, therefore your child's life. That shame is not yours, and it's certainly not yours to carry. But love them. Love them right where they are and understand that loving someone right where they are is not condoning their sin. It's loving them in spite of their sin, which is exactly what Jesus has done with us. So just encourage them to keep that open dialogue with you um, and, and ask them to um, continue. Their, they still need prayer. They still need prayer. Be like, okay, honey, you know what? Whatever you need prayer for, tell us. We will be lifting that up to the Lord in prayer. And ask them, say, okay, so, so as you've settled into this and spent some time in prayer, say, okay, we're ready to talk about some things. We have some questions for you now. So when you say you're gay, does that mean you have same-sex attraction and you don't want to act out on that. So in the sense you're struggling with same-sex attraction, but you don't want it. So you're, you're just um, giving that to the Lord and you're walking with the Lord in a celibate life, but you identify as gay? Or are you identifying as gay in the sense of this is who you are and this is the type of relationship that you're pursuing or that you're in and this is going to be a lifelong identity with someone of the same sex and this is how you're going to live your life. We just want to know because we want to know who you are because we love you and then through that you can, the Lord will direct you on how to con continue the conversation and it's important that they know that you're bringing this to God so that you can love and minister to them. That Bring it to the Lord so that you can bring them to Christ in a way that is not uh, condemning them for what they're doing. In a way that's not saying, well, I'm going to pray to God so that God can change you. Because that's not a God that they want because they most likely aren't in a place that they want to change. They just came out. <laughs> they want to experience this sense of freedom that they have. So just let them know that you're praying to God, not asking him to change you, but praying to God, asking him how you can parent your child in light of this identity that they have. We have to remember God is good and God is sovereign and he's working actively in ways that we don't even understand to bring your child to the throne room of grace for the first time or back from where they, from where they left. And sp <laughs> let me say this in a loving way. Um, please stop trying to fix your children. You can't. It's God's job to fix. It's your job to lovingly parent. Whatever age they are, you know that you, you parent your children 
from you know 10 to 15 a different way than you would from from 18 to 25 if your child is in their 20s and they come out to you 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 can't parent your child the way you would have if they they told you that they were gay identifying at 12 years old you can't fix them and if you try to fix them you're probably not going to do a good job at it because you weren't called to it Trust God in it. And then get educated on the subject. I have uh, paperwork for you out there. I can show you. Uh, Deb will be at my table. She'll take you. i got to show you how to do it. Take you on my website to show you where the resource page is. I can tell you YouTube videos to watch, um, different Facebook groups to watch of, of people like myself that have come out of identifying are now are walking with the Lord. There's parents on there that can tell other parents what worked and what didn't work. There's information out there for you guys to, to understand better what your child is experiencing. And then we are in a war and the enemy has taken over the internet and that's where your children are going to find information. And so let's just say that's the enemy. And to fight in a battle, you need to know your enemy. So it might be beneficial for you to go to the same websites that your children are on that are telling them you can be gay and be a Christian and go there and find out the lies that they're believing. So when they talk to you about it, you can say, yeah, I was on that website as well, and you literally just said verbatim what I read, Instead of verbatim saying what you read off this website, can you explain it to me in your own words? And they might not be able to. And then you can gently say, no, no, that's a, I, I read that too. Give me something in your own words. And if they can't do it, just say, honey, if you can't even explain to me in your own words this identity that you have, are you sure this is your identity? Especially if they're a little bit on the younger side, like 15 or 16 so just keep an open dialogue, ask questions, ask your child questions, engage with them. This is actually um, this paperwork that's out there, discussion questions with your kids. And this is, uh, this is for younger kids. This isn't necessarily for your 30-year-old children. Um, questions to create a safe conversational environment for your children, um, like do you feel safe talking to me about anything? Why or why not? If you were in trouble or had something, or had done something wrong, would you talk to me about it? Why or, or why not? Um, uh, questions concerning the use of YouTube, especially for, for teenagers. Um, you know, how do you think people are using YouTube in a good way? How do you think in a bad way? If there's a video that you see that has graphic content, what do you do? Do you keep watching it or do you turn it? I mean, these are just open dialogues that you have with your children. Um, then there's questions about sexuality. Um, why does gender and sexuality matter? What does the Bible say that is the purpose of sexuality? Um, do you know anyone that's part of the LGBTQI? I mean, these are all questions that you can engage your children with so that you can have that open dialogue with them. And, and just, again, don't be shocked at their responses. Go drive afterwards and scream in your car or scream in your pillow at night or whatever it might be, but... But you need to be that strong. You need to be emotionally strong for your, for your kids because uh, they think they got it all together, but they're really emotionally weak. There's more depression, anxiety, and suicide now in our children than ever, ever before. Um, remember, if your child is in a relationship, that you are called to pray for their partner as well. 
And if you are angry and mad at their partner and think it's them that stole your child away, um, you need to ask the Lord to give you a love for that person and pray for them and realize that they are a sinner in need of salvation as well. And um, I just want to share this with you, and then, then we'll, we'll go to lunch. Um, 2 Samuel 14, 14 says in the New King James, Yet God does not take away a life, but he devises means so that his banished ones are not expelled from him. Yet God does not take away a life, but he devises means so that his banished ones are not expelled from him. First and foremost, that's the cross. But if we look at it uh, in, in like a story framework, we can go to Luke 15, which is we have the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. So in Luke 15, verse 14, it says, Then there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want, the prodigal. Who brought the famine? Who is the only one that can bring famine? God. So God brought a famine so that this banished one would be starving, realizing what he's gotten himself into, and come back with a, a repentant heart to his home, to his place with his father. So God made a way so that this banished one wouldn't be completely expelled. So you might just have to pray for a famine for your child. And the way I pray that is, Lord, please do whatever it takes. And in that, have mercy. Amen? Amen. So we're going to go to lunch, and then Pastor David will tell you what's up. But so also at the table, there is paperwork that is... Um, uh, using preferred pronouns, and I'll just I'll give the first uh, little sentence that I have there. When we use someone's preferred pronouns, we are perpetuating the deception that they're already in. So these are all verses about lies, what lying to someone does to them and what it does to us. And then this is uh, just some information I gave it for those who actually identify as gay Christians. There's a subsect within that. It's side A gay Christian and side B gay Christian. One is actively pursuing uh, homosexual relationships. Is one is keeping their identity and saying that I'm gay, but I'm just going to remain celibate. Uh, both are very dangerous and one is very ungodly. So I just wanted to give you information on that. These, this is the resource page for if you have someone that um, identifies as LGBT and they want help, and these are counseling ministries that you can reach out to that counsel. I don't counsel, I just I go around speaking. But these are um, helping parents navigate social media and schools. Please, please grab this and look up and go to these websites. They are so amazing and so helpful. And watch Childhood 2.0. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Patty. And yes. And all this, all this is at your table. All those resources. Yeah, all yeah, those resources, yeah. paper, uh, information sheets are at her resource table. So please make sure you get those. Y'all ready for some Chick-fil-A? All right. Well, without further ado, I'm going to pray. And this is the way it works. We're going to pray as the blessing on the food. And then what, if y'all would just kind of line up. And as you walk through the door, it's going to be like a football game, like a quarterback handing the football, handing the, the running back the football. They're going to hand you a Chick-fil-A meal. So you just... 
roll right out with your drink, your Chick-fil-A meal, and go find a comfortable place to sit and eat and enjoy fellowship with your brothers and sisters. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for this day. Father, thank you for all this wonderful information. Thank you for the ministry that's taken place in our hearts. Thank you for the compassion that you're building within us for the LGBTQ community. So, Lord, now we ask you to bless this food, bless the fellowship, let this uh, food nourish and strengthen our bodies, and we love you and praise you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. The next session will start at 1 o'clock sharp.